So let's get started. Uh, last week, our pastor, Pastor Dave, if you recall, he had uh, left off there where Jesus was speaking to the multitudes concerning John the Baptist. Jesus had asked a question. He, Jesus asked, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? And the answer was a prophet and to have their sins dealt with. Now, there was uh, religious leaders, Pharisees and lawyers. They had rejected John the Baptist. And Jesus had schooled them about rejecting the baptism of repentance. Now, tonight we find ourselves in the gospel where Jesus is being invited to a house of one of these Pharisees who rejected the baptism of John. Now, I find that very interesting. So I ask myself, why? Why is this man who's rejecting the proclamation of the kingdom of God now asking Jesus into his house for a meal? find it very, especially after Jesus had just schooled the Pharisees here, right? concerning the baptism of John. So it does bring up a question. We are going to answer that tonight. And that brings us to the title of tonight's message. Who is Jesus? In tonight's message, who is Jesus? We'll look at a few things. First, we are going to look at who Jesus is to the Pharisee, right? Next, we'll look at who Jesus is to a woman in the story who knows that she is a sinner. And lastly, we're going to look at who is Jesus to you and I? Who is Jesus to us? So those are the three things we're going to look at tonight. So I begin in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, 
I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman had not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Wow. So uh, we see the picture here as uh, the Pharisee had invited Jesus into the home. And we got three characters. The woman who knew she was a sinner, the Pharisee, and the guest Jesus, along with the Pharisees' family and all his um, friends would have also been there. So I want to look at, well, I'm going to go to the beginning, verse 39, where it says, verse 39, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down. And this is the where I find it very interesting, that the Pharisee had invited Jesus to his home. And the Pharisee's name is Simon. Now, Scripture does not explicitly tell us why he accepted the invitation, nor is this event, the story of the uh, two debtors, found in any other gospel. What we do know is that Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God and he was gaining popularity. We do know that. I mean, after all, providing sight to the blind, expelling demons, raising the dead would grab people's attention. Front page news, right? Now, it was customary for the Pharisees of that day to invite visiting rabbis or teachers like Jesus here, right? Over for a formal meal where they could get to know each other. And there were some Pharisees who wanted a closer look at Jesus. So I would presume that the reason why this Pharisee invited Jesus over because he wanted to know who Jesus was. Verse 37. Now we're going to introduce the other character. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, 
when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Um, Now, alabaster, that's actually a mineral. It's a rock. It's a translucent rock. It's what they make bottles and stained glass windows with. And it has a, a golden amber tint. But more importantly is the woman. That's what's important here. Now, Luke records that she was a sinner. Meaning that she was a known sinner by the community of that day. She was a known sinner by the community. So, we have our three characters. We have the woman, we have the Pharisee, and we have Jesus, right? Now, Luke, he's going to draw us a distinct contrast between the woman and the Pharisee, between the woman who knew she was a sinner and Simon the Pharisee. And we'll see that in verse 38 and 39. Now this woman stood at the feet of Jesus, behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of a woman this is, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So the contrast between the two is that the woman knew and saw that she was a sinner. And Simon did not. In other words, the woman saw her need for forgiveness, whereas the Pharisee, whereas Simon, only saw the need of the woman needing forgiveness. He did not see his need for forgiveness. So I ask myself, why? I ask the question, why doesn't he see his need for forgiveness? Why doesn't Simon see his need for forgiveness? And the answer is pride. Pride, the pride of life blinds us from our need of repentance, right? Now, Gerardo had taught on that this morning. 1 Peter 5 verses, uh, well, 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6. It says, Humble thyself before the mighty hand of the Lord, for he will exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So the opposite of pride would be humility or humbleness. That is the opposite. Who is Jesus to the Pharisee? Well, the contrast between the two is that the woman knew and saw that she was the sinner, right? Now, the Pharisee named Simon, Luke 
gives us the answer here in verse 39. In revealing Simon's heart through his conscience thoughts. His conscience thoughts towards Jesus. And he says here in verse 39. This man, if he were a prophet, would know who in what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Now, uh, the Jews to be touched by people who were unclean was forbidden that day according to the pharisaical laws of that time. That's why that is recorded in there. Now, Simon here, he's having a debate in his mind. That's what's going on. He's having a debate within his mind whether Jesus... Now, we're talking about God incarnate, the creator of the universe. He's debating whether the creator of the universe has the credentials to be a prophet or whether he has the power to read the woman's heart to know if she's a sinner or not. That's what's going on in Simon's mind. Now, from our perspective here, right, looking at Simon, we would look at Simon and and we would look at his thinking as foolishness, right? That's, That's doubting the power of Jesus is foolishness. That's how we would look at this. And that's how I did when I first read this. But the problem is, now, the problem is, like Simon, we also have a tendency, a tendency to have these same debates in our minds or within our minds. Have you ever doubted the Lord? We fall for that temptation of doubt, right? Can God provide? Can God get me through college? Can God cure cancer, right? So don't let those thoughts of doubt or those debates in your mind if God or whether God has the power, right? Don't let those thoughts of doubt stop you from praying. Who is Jesus? Yes, he has the power to bring those prayers to fruition. He has the power to bring your prayers to completion. Amen? All these things are possible with God. We know that. In Mark, uh, the ninth chapter of Mark, verses 23 and 24, it says, now read that verse. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And if you'll go to, there you go, immediately. Now, this right here is the application. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So the next time you are tempted with doubt or whether you should be praying for something that you don't believe the Lord's going to answer or doesn't have the power to come to fruition, well, give him that verse right there. 
cry out to the Lord like the man did. He said, Lord, help me with my doubt. Help me with my belief. Help me with my faith. Cry out to the almighty God and ask him to help you with your unbelief. That is the solution, right? While Simon here goes on debating in his mind where God incarnate has the power to read this woman's heart, the, the power to know if she's a sinner or not. Now, back to Luke here. There's another issue with Simon. And the issue is, the issue with Simon is that he only sees the sins of the woman. Simon does not see that he is in need of forgiveness. He only sees the sins of this woman that is all known by the community here. Perhaps. Doesn't see his own sin. Simon is relying on self-righteousness. That's what that is. He's relying on his own works. He's relying on his own works and believing that by his works... That is good enough. Now, Simon, in his eyes, he's a Pharisee. He's he's thinking, well, I'm a religious man. I've gone to college. I've got my degree, right? For I am a descendant of Abraham. I don't need to be baptized in the waters of the Jordan by some man who eats bugs. Right? My sins are minuscule compared to that woman's sin. That is self-righteous blindness is what that is. So we see the contrast here between the woman and Simon. Now, who is Jesus to the woman? Let's, let's look at that in a little more depth, Right? in contrast to Simon's self-righteousness, right? We have the woman with the repentant heart, right? She knew and she saw she was a sinner in need of forgiveness. To this woman, Jesus was the one to worship. Jesus was the one to worship. And the author here, Luke, right? He draws us a beautiful picture of what this Looks like as she came to Jesus weeping. No doubt the woman had planned and came prepared with fragrant oil to anoint Jesus' feet. However, his feet were not washed, as is the custom before entering one's home. We know of those days. They didn't have paved streets. They wore sandals. Their feet would have been dirty. So they have servants at the doors that wash everyone's feet as they pass through, right? And no doubt the woman had planned and came prepared with the fragrant oil to wash Jesus' feet. Now, the woman may have expected that Jesus' feet would have been washed by one of Simon's servants, right? But she did not let the dirty feet of our Lord 
Keep her for what she had come and intended to do. Having no water, having no towel, her tears began to flow as she began to kiss his feet and worshipped him and wiped them with the hair of her head and anointing Jesus' feet with the fragrant oil that she had brought. That's who Jesus is to this woman. With a heart of repentance and an awareness, an awareness of her need for forgiveness, she came weeping to Jesus. So I ask, I ask myself, do I come weeping to Jesus, confessing my sins? Do you? Do you come weeping to Jesus, confessing your sins, asking for forgiveness? Well, I know, I know I need to much more often. You see, sin must be judged, right? The penalty of sin is death. Something must die because sin always has an effect right? There will always, always be a victim of our sin that separates us from God, right? But God, God desires fellowship with his creation. And that is why Jesus accepted the invitation to the house of Simon, Jesus accepted the invitation of his house of Simon because he needed forgiveness. His eyes needed to be open. Jesus needed to give him ears to hear. That's why Jesus came. And we see that beginning in verse 40. And Jesus says here, Luke 7, 40, says, And Jesus answered and said to him. Now, remember, Jesus is answering his thoughts right? Jesus, in answering his thoughts, said, Simon, I have something to say to you. So Simon said, teacher, say it. Simon the Pharisee thought that Jesus could not read the heart of the sinful women, therefore casting judgment that Jesus was not a prophet. Now, Jesus will Address Simon's faulty judgment and the doubts within his mind. Whether the man, Jesus, has the power to read the woman's heart. Now, Jesus here, he has a special parable for him. A tailored-made parable for Simon in opening up his eyes. And Jesus here, beginning in verse 41... It says, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? This is the parable of the two debtors. Jesus applied this parable to Simon's righteousness. Both Simon and the woman were in debt. Both of them were in debt. 
to sin. Now, like the two debtors of the parable, both were in the presence of the one who can forgive that debt, Jesus. According to the parable here, one has 10 times more debt than the other one does. And that would have been the woman, right? However, they both were in debt. Simon, Simon was guilty of pride. He was blind to his own sin, and he needed eyes to see. Whereas the woman's sin was great, and it was known by everyone in the community, perhaps. Simon's sin was hidden, and only God can see his sin. Simon compared his sin to that of the woman, right? Now, the problem with Simon... It's a similar problem that we struggle with today. Oh, my sin is minuscule compared to that person, right? We compare our sins to others. Okay, I'm not perfect, right? Don't we say that? But I'm a work in progress. We say that. You say, I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as that person. Let's not be tempted to compare our sins to another. We're called to repent and confess our sins and ask forgiveness. And confession is telling the Lord, I am wrong. Lord, I am wrong and you are right. And then go on and Confess to the person whom you victimize. The person who is a victim of your sin. Go up to them and tell them that you wronged them and ask for their forgiveness. Right? That is the problem when we start comparing ourselves to others. So, back to the parable of the debtor. Now, Jesus asked Simon a question. Which of them, which of them of the two, the one was forgiven 500 denarii, the other one was forgiven 50. Jesus asked him, which of the two would love more, right? And Simon answered the question, and he says, here, I suppose, I suppose the one whom he forgave more, right? Simon heard the parable correctly. He's starting to gain ears to hear here, right? He heard the parable correctly, and now he makes the correct judgment. And Jesus goes along with his answer. Now, we know that he is starting to get ears to hear. Jesus is now going to give him eyes to see. If you recall, Simon had compared his sins to that of the woman. Now, Jesus is going to compare Simon's hospitality to that of the woman, giving Simon Eyes to see. 
in verse 44, it says, Then Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? Right? Do you see this woman? Jesus asked a question. Do you see this woman? Well, obviously Simon saw the woman, right? She's there at Jesus' feet, kissing Jesus' feet this whole time. Who would not miss that, right? After all, Jesus is the honored guest of the evening, right? All eyes would have been on him. And there is this woman continually kissing his feet. Now, I asked myself the question, was Jesus asking Simon a rhetorical question? Was he asking him a rhetorical? Or did he really want Simon to see that the woman had changed, that this was a new woman? She's not the same sinner as she was before. Like the one in the parable who was freely given much. That is who the woman is. And the parable goes on. Do you see this woman? And Jesus says to Simon, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And you gave me no kiss. In those days, for the Jews and the rabbis, they would give each other a kiss on the cheek. That was common. That was normal. Like we shake hands. That is normal. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased from kissing my feet since the time I came in. Did you... Not anoint my head with oil. But this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Back then when you entered the house, they would go ahead and put oil on your hair. Right? It'd be like an olive oil. Here is fragrant oil. Therefore, Jesus said, right? Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So Jesus here gave Simon eyes to see. To see that the woman who was the one who is freely forgiven much more resulting in much more hospitality. Yes, Simon had judged himself correctly. He had admitted that the one who was forgiven more would feel more obligated to love more. And Jesus graciously, graciously exposed Simon's poor judgment by revealing the repentant heart of the woman, right? Now, I do want us to beware of verse 40. Many twist the scriptures here. And I'll read verse 47. It's verse 47. 
It says, therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Now, I'm not going to say who likes to twist these scriptures around, but see, we are saved by faith first, and then we love much. But a lot of places, a lot of other teachers will turn the scriptures and say, because she loved much, she was forgiven. Uh, That's the question they had to answer, right? Um, Because they loved much, their sins were forgiven. That is not what the scripture is saying. So teachers will lead people to believe that since the woman who was a sinner like everyone else, right, loved much and her sins were forgiven. No, that's incorrect. The woman had loved much because she was forgiven much. For by grace we are saved through faith, right? Ephesians 2.8. Nothing of our own and nothing to boast about either, right? Now, Jesus is going to get to the heart of the issue, Jesus is going to get to the heart of the issue. And the heart of the issue is sin. This is the main course for tonight's meal here at Simon's house. Sin. Sin that separates us from God. Who is Jesus to you and I? He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And now Jesus is going to give Simon and all who are sitting at the table something to chew on, right? He's going to give them all something to chew on. Jesus now proclaims that he has the power not only to see the woman's heart, the heart of repentance, but the power to forgive. And we see that here in verse 48. Then he said to her, Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. In verse 49, and those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Yes, Jesus does have the authority and the power to forgive sins. And we see that the guests sitting at the table are asking themselves, who is Jesus who has the power to even forgive sin? And that's the question they had to ask themselves. And that's the same question every person here tonight has to ask themselves. Every living person today will have to ask themselves, who is Jesus? We know that every knee shall bow before him, right? So I ask, I ask you tonight, who is Jesus to you, right? Now, would you say that you are more like the woman who loves much? Are you really? 
I mean, are you a grouchy person with a critical spirit? Do you find yourself comparing your sins to another? You will have to answer that question yourself. Has there been any pride that has crept in your life? That's my problem, pride. It's always sneaking in one way or another. And no, I'm not a work in progress. In the eyes of God, I'm a masterpiece. I'm covered in the blood of Jesus. I'm commanded to be obedient and repent and confess immediately. Not to consider myself to be a work in progress. Folks, do me a favor. Delete that term from your vocabulary and realize the price that was paid for the forgiveness of your sins. Okay, so we come to the last chapter, or no, the last verse of the night. Verse 50. Now in this verse, this here, we can look at this as the last course of the meal, right? Uh, the dessert course. We'll look at this as the dessert course. And this dessert here, it does come with icing on the cake. And it's primary for the woman, right? And Jesus says, Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, faith. Faith is believing in something Faith is believing that you already have something that you are hoping for, right? Faith is believing that you already have something that you are hoping for. By faith, the woman received for forgiveness. The woman received forgiveness by her faith. Now, where it says, go in peace. If we were to render this in the Greek, it would say, go into peace. That's how it should be rendered, right? Go into peace, as in enter into God's rest. The woman can now be rest assured that she has been redeemed from eternal damnation. For example, have you ever Doubted your faith. Well, that is very unrestful, isn't it? Yes. Doubting our salvation. If you ever doubted your, if whether you're saved, that is so unrestful, right? What Jesus is telling her, your faith has made you well. You are forgiven. Now you can go into peace. You can enter into my rest, I promised. That is a promise of God. And God does supernaturally confirm our salvations with us, right? We have the Holy Spirit that testifies. We are sealed with, by the Holy Spirit. God, we, we know, we know whether we are saved or not. Now, I don't know if anybody else is. There's no way I can know, Right? But we would know that. God confirms that. So we will be at peace. So we can enter into God's rest in this life. 
Now, the icing on the cake is that, is that all the children of God one day will enter into his eternal rest. We'll enter into the kingdom of God. That is the icing on the cake, right? 1 John 2.25 1 John 2.25, it says, the promise of God is, eternal, is eternity. That is the promise of God. This is the promise that God has promised us, eternal life. Now, you may go in peace knowing that you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, right? Now, to sum up the message uh, tonight, the parable of the two debtors. The parable of the two debtors was never about the amount or the quantity of debt that they owed. It was about the awareness that they were in debt. That's what Jesus wanted Simon to see. He just wanted Jesus, Jesus wanted Simon to know that you need to be aware that you are in sin, no matter how minuscule you may See your sin, you are still in sin, right? The awareness of our sin, whether minuscule or great, sin is sin and it must be dealt with. Jesus just asked Simon the question to give him eyes to see, to get his eyes off the woman's sin and to get his eyes on his own debt. That's why Jesus was asking him the question because Simon is responsible or he was Simon was responsible for his own debt he has to pay his own debt right if you do not accept Jesus as payment upon the cross well you're going to have to pay for your own sinful debt through eternal damnation right we are all debtors in the sight of our creator all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And, and if, you're willing, if you're here tonight and you don't know whether your sins have been forgiven, well, I'm here to tell you you can know for sure through the blood of the Lamb that your sins can be forgiven. And if you're willing to have your sins forgiven tonight, no matter how minuscule they may be or great, right? According to God's standard, it only takes one minuscule sin to keep you from entering into God's presence. Only one minuscule sin will keep you from entering God's presence. So tonight, if that is you, and you don't know whether you have forgiveness or not, you can ask Jesus into your heart. Jesus desires all to come to repentance, right? Tonight's the night. The night is far spent. It's the time. It's time to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior in asking Jesus into your heart. Amen? All right. Uh, let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your word, knowing that your word, it transforms our lives, Father. It softens our heart. It comforts, it leads, it guides us, it delivers us, and it sheds light on our sins. So we thank you, Lord, that we can live 
in peace. We can enter your rest knowing that you got this one. And we just have to look to you, Father. So we thank you. And as we go forward in this week, Lord, may you have your hand upon us. May you keep us, protect us, Lord. And by your spirit, may you just give us the strength, the strength and the willingness to be the light of the world. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have uh, accepted that invitation to be with the Lord and know the Lord and accepted him into your heart, um, we can pray for you. We'll be up front. We have some people you can pray with for some of the elders or the deacons. And um, may I say, just go. Go into peace and just live Live with Jesus, stay in his word, and you will just be extremely, extremely blessed, you know. So God bless you all and thank you. Amen.